This morning as we come to celebrate the resurrected Jesus, we have a living hope. And my fear is, is, yeah, I want everybody to become a believer and follower of Christ, but I don't think that's who fills the rooms this morning. The ones that I believe fill the room are those who have been born again. And sometimes I think when we live out the Christian life day by day by day, we so many times lose sight of the living hope we have in Christ and we become stagnant. And we get so wrapped up in what we don't have and what we need, we forget who He is and what He has done for us. And our responsibility as the believer and follower of Christ is to go and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to proclaim a resurrected Jesus who is a living and active Savior. We would like to welcome you to Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Pastor Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina and he has been teaching through a series on the book of John. Today, Pastor Stewart steps away from that series to bring a special message that the Lord has placed on his heart. We hope that you will join us as we begin getting in the Word. Here is Pastor Stewart. Every major event that has ever happened in this world has had an effect on people. If the event has not had an effect on you, then the event was not a major event. Not worth our time in the pulpit. I mean, I do things in life all the time that really have no effect on anything or anyone. But when something great happens, when something amazing takes place, there's always an effect that takes place. Think about it. When you get married, there is an effect. We become one flesh. Our lives change. When we have children, our lives are changed. There's an effect, right? You just can't get up and go out and do what you want to do anymore. There is someone there that you have to take care of. When we are born again, there is a transition from life to death, from the power of Satan to God, right? And there's an effect that takes place. When we have natural disasters, there's an effect because of the natural disaster. When we encounter death in the physical realm, there is an effect that takes place in the world and the realm in which we live because every major event has an effect. And so I want you to see and understand this morning, the resurrection has many different effects in our lives. So with the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, we better that there is a lifetime of effects that result in different aspects of our walk with the Lord. This morning I want us to consider these effects from the book of 1 Peter. Because within it we find a list of effects from from the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This portion of Scripture, while it's not your normal, average Easter sermon preaching from Matthew chapter 28 of Jesus in the tomb, I want you to see the effects that this has, not only in their day, but in our day, as we live our lives in this mundane life. This portion of Scripture is one that I think will be very helpful for us as a reminder. Peter, in the first couple of verses, as we look at the context, gives us as an introduction to his letter. He is just starting out the letter. He begins explaining who he is and to whom he is writing to. 
Following that, in the next three verses, Peter goes right into what we considered a prayer of thanksgiving, specifically for those beloved brethren. His prayer of thanksgiving is a prayer that not only rang loudly then, but it is one that rings loud in our lives today as well. And Peter is going to show us three different effects of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, three effects that I pray will transform your life, that will encourage you as believers, and that if you are here this morning and you've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, that you will be encouraged to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I first want you to notice with me through the first three effects Number one, the resurrection brings about a living hope. Secondly, the resurrection brings about a secure inheritance. And thirdly, the resurrection brings about a protected salvation. Let's begin, if we will, by looking at the first effect. The resurrection brings about a living hope. Isn't life busy? Is it just me or is life busy? Especially during the holiday seasons of Christmas, Easter, and other holidays, life is busy. We, we, it's, you know, I talked to a few people and yesterday and said, how's your day going? He, Great. And I said, what are you up to? He said, I've been doing the kids' hair, getting them ready for tomorrow. Why? Because Easter, we come and, and, and for the last six days of Holy Weeks, the lights have been going out one after another and after another. And then Friday comes and the lights go out in the light of the world is crucified. But when we arose this morning, we arose to celebration. And that's why we see vibrant colors, because we have light is alive. Jesus is alive. Even though that the busyness of life can get in our way sometimes, we can lose sight of the importance we have in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter, on the other hand, even in his prayer as a reminder to us, gives us great truth. He begins in verse 3 with this traditional Jewish prayer. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Throughout this letter, Peter consistently encourages his readers to rejoice in their hope in Jesus Christ, to continue having a living and active faith, a living hope. The term blessed be mentioned in the text actually again is a a traditional Jewish prayer in which they would begin with blessed be and followed by the name of God and then that person would give what they are thankful for. In our passage, Paul states the name of God, but then also Jesus Christ. This is an awesome note because he is essentially saying the name of God and the name of Jesus Christ are not to be separated, but they are affirming really his deity, their oneness. And so Peter says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The effect of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is that we and all of the world that will trust in Jesus and to salvation, listen, are born again into a living hope. Life is busy, but let me tell you what else. Life is tough. 
Life is difficult. Life is painful. And some of you are living it right now. Life is wonderful sometimes, but life is very difficult a lot of the times. And we this morning need to be reminded that we have hope. That we have a living hope. The effect of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is that we are born again to a living hope. Do you come this morning with a living hope? We were talking this morning as these men were cooking and I said, could you imagine living in this culture and in this world without the hope of Jesus? How can you watch the news without the hope of Jesus? What hope is there? That we can live a good enough life and when we get to the pearly gates, our good will outweigh our bad. Listen, that, that's, that's not a living hope. Because we are unable to do that. Listen, it's not by some special effort that we are born again that we have a living hope. It's not by what we can do for God that gives us a living hope. It's not by allowing the good to outweigh the bad. And therefore we are considered godly or holy. And therefore Jesus lets us into the pearly gates. It's not by anything that you can accomplish or that I can accomplish that saves us. But rather a resurrected Jesus from the dead. It's because of God and His great mercy that He has caused us, He has caused you to be born again to a living hope. And my prayer is this morning is that no matter our situations, no matter our circumstances, we can celebrate that we have a living hope in Jesus Christ because He lives. If you were here today and you were without Christ, my hope is that you will leave here with a living hope. If you are here today and you can say without a shadow of doubt, listen, I'm born again. I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ has saved me and I put my, my, my faith in Him alone for salvation. Listen, it's not by your measure that you're saved, but rather because of His mercy. It's not by what we've done that we've accomplished salvation lest Jesus Christ died needlessly on the cross. Galatians 2.20 says, I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Jesus Christ to die. Listen, if you could check the boxes and fulfill the, the, the law in which God gave us, then all we would have to do is just do that and we could be saved. But the law was given for a purpose to condemn us, to show us our need for a righteous and holy Savior. And Jesus came. And He was crucified on Friday and He was buried And today we celebrate that he is risen. Listen, we know that Jesus Christ had to die, but just as much as he had to die, it's a must that he be raised from the dead. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, then we are most of all men to be pitied. 1 Corinthians 15.9 reminds us of that. 
Peter notes here that our hope is founded in a Savior who is alive and active. And that is why when Mary approached the tomb, it said, as the woman bowed their faces to the ground, the two men asked this question, why do you look for the living among the dead? But, you know, when I was thinking, like, what am I going to preach? That's what I was going to preach. What a powerful passage that is. Why do you seek for the living among the dead? Listen, our hope is grounded in Christ's resurrection from the death to life, showing us that we can be confident in God's promises. Knowing that if He has the power over life and death, listen, He has the power to do anything. And that means He is able to keep His promises that He's made to you. The effect of the resurrection is that we have a living hope. It's the greatest reminder that is no matter how bad life gets, we were raised to life if we've truly trusted in Christ. You know, we've been working through the book of John. And if you remember there in John chapter 5, Jesus tells us, don't, don't marvel at this, that, that this man has been born again, but marvel that one day everyone will raise, some to eternal life and some to separation from God, to judgment. And the reality is this, this Easter, so we celebrate the resurrected Christ I want us to be reminded that every one of us, because Jesus raised from the dead, so everyone will be raised from the dead. The question is, where will be raised? To everlasting life or eternal judgment? This should encourage and empower believers knowing that we have the same power that has the ability to raise life. We have that same power living in us as Christians as followers of Christ, because we've been indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Our hope is never failing. It is firm and is ultimately grounded in God's promises. And listen, they are all reaffirming through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's through a resurrected Jesus, through a living Christ, that we are given new life and we are born again. To a living hope. Can I ask you a question this morning? Are you living this morning with a new life? Because 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That is new life. This weekend I had, and I prayer, my prayer is that my uncle will be watching this. I had an opportunity to talk to my uncle, and he's not a believer. And I was able to share the gospel with him. He's getting old, and he's not doing well physically, and he's approaching the last of the last days. And he called me and said, my fears of my life that I've lived has not been a good one. And my heart broke for him. Because he's looking for affirmation in all the wrong places. I was able to share the hope of Christ with him. 
and explain how when we place our faith in the resurrected Christ who gives living hope, what happened back then stays back there because we are new creations in Christ. We can, like Paul in Philippians 3, 12 to 14, say not that I have already obtained this or have already been perfected, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. You remember when Christ took hold of you? You remember the worry that if if I were to step out of this life and into eternity, all of the mess, all of the life, all of the bad decisions, all of the bad parenting, all of the bad drug uses, all of the addiction, all of the everything, you remember the pressure on you when you stepped into life and how it was like a weight lifted off of you? That was my prayer for him. Paul, Paul says, brothers, I don't consider that I've myself yet have laid hold of it. I'm not perfect. But one thing I do is I forget what lies behind and I press forward to the goal that lies ahead. I press toward the goal to win the prize of God's heavenly calling in Christ. Listen. This morning as we come to celebrate the resurrected Jesus, we have a living hope. And my fear is, is, yeah, I want everybody to become a believer and follower of Christ, but I don't think that's who fills the rooms this morning. The ones that I believe fill the room are those who have been born again. And sometimes I think when we live out the Christian life day by day by day, we so many times lose sight of the living hope we have in Christ and we become stagnant. And we get so wrapped up in what we don't have and what we need, we forget who He is and what He has done for us. And our responsibility as the believer and follower of Christ is to go and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. To proclaim a resurrected Jesus who is a living and active Savior. And for that we should rejoice Listen, the effect of the resurrection is that we have a living hope. Are you a living hope kind of Christian? Are you excited about the gospel? Where you just kind of want to dance and clap your hands? I'm not saying that's a a byproduct of a spirit-filled life, but, you know, we just left Pilgrim Ford and they didn't have a problem clapping, shouting Jesus, hallelujah. But sometimes I wonder if we just lose sight of how and what Christ has done for us and the power that he has given us and and how he expects us to live. Our hope, listen, is not dead because our Savior lives. He has risen. Now, many people through desire to discount the death of Christ and his resurrection instead argue that Jesus was never actually died essentially claiming that the resurrection was a hoax, staged, or a giant lie made up by the apostles. But what we find in Matthews is that the preparations were put into place to what? To protect from a false resurrection. I love how God works. I love it. Matthew 27, 62 to 66 reads this now on the next day. After the preparations, the chief priest and the Pharisees gathered together with Pilate and said, Sir, 
we remember that when he was still alive, that deceiver, after three days, said, I'm going to rise again. Therefore, he, he, they said, give, give orders for the grave to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal him away. And say to the people, he, he has risen from the dead and the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard. Go make it as secure as you know how. And they went and they made the grave secure. And along with the guard, they set a seal on the stone. They did what they could to make sure that Jesus did not rise from the grave. Or at least a false resurrection could not take place. And there, the deception which they called be worse than the first. In their doing so, guess what they did? They made the resurrection more reliable. Thank you. Thank you. No one came and stole the body. He was raised to newness of life. From death to life. For the unchurched, it may be tempting to embrace the ideal that seems to counter the mainstream Christian thought. To entertain such crazy notions. But hear me, the death of Christ is critical to the gospel. Without Christ's death, there is no resurrection. And if there is no resurrection, the Christian is to be pitied above all. For it is in him we lay our hope. If we believe in a sovereign God, then we must all believe that he has the power over life and death and that he indeed raised Jesus from the grave. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is foundational truth. Listen, they tried to finish Jesus off. They tried to prevent the gospel from spreading, but the grave couldn't hold him. Death could not contain him. And he burst forth to life. And for that, we can celebrate that we have a living hope. He lives. Yes, he lives. And so how should this affect us? That's great information, but how should it affect you in your walk today, so many years later? Is our hope in Christ? Are we finding our hope rather in material things of the world? Things that are dead? Or are we seeking after that which is living, that which is eternal? Mary went seeking again that which was dead, but when she got there, that whom she was seeking was rather living. Matthew 28, 5-6 says, Don't be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, whom has been crucified. He is not here. Where did he go? Oh, for he is risen. Just as he said, God is not a liar. What is it that you come seeking today? That which is temporal or that which is eternal? The resurrection of Christ brings about a living hope because Jesus isn't dead but alive. Not only does the resurrection of Christ from the dead bring about a living hope, but secondly, I want us to see that its effect that the resurrection brings about a secure inheritance. Now, I'm willing to bet just about everybody in here knows someone that has lost an inheritance. Meaning there was someone at some point that had something that they expected, but something that something in which they expected went away. The inheritance that they thought they once had simply has now become 
a fading thought. Listen, I don't know, maybe that's you this morning. That which you thought would be yours is not now. Listen, nothing in the flesh is secure. Nothing in this world is lasting. But there is one thing that we can celebrate as a result of the resurrection is that we have a secure inheritance. You may be living in hard times. You may be struggling with pain and suffering, doing all you can to simply get by, maybe even suffering for the sake of Christ, whatever it is, whatever you are going through. Whatever it may be, we that are in Christ, as an effect of the resurrection, I want you to know, we have a secure inheritance. It can't be taken away. It's just another effect of the resurrection of Christ from the dead. And so we are told, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and the purpose for that is to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and not fading away, reserved for you in heaven. The writer of Hebrews explains it well when he says here in chapter 9, verses 15 to 17, For this reason he is the mediator of the new covenant. So that since a death has taken place for the redemption of the transgressions that were committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise of the internal inheritance. For where a covenant is, there must of necessity be the death of one who made it. For a covenant is only valid when men are dead. For it is never in force while the one who made it is alive. Jesus had to die. His covenant was activated by the crucifixion of Christ. Our Savior had to die to confirm the security in your life of the inheritance that He promised. But not only must He have died, He had to raise again from the grave. Listen, the effect of the resurrection is that you have a secure inheritance. When I'm reading this passage, I'm reminded of how close we are to losing everything. Nothing in this life is secure. I could kill over right now. James writes, you are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. James 4.14 Our life is a vapor. Whatever security we think we have is nothing in the eyes of God. But eternal life is something we can surely place our hope in, knowing that it rests in the hands of a promise-keeping God, an all-powerful God. And that is why we can confidently say in what he says in Philippians 1-2, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Why? Because we have a secure inheritance because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It doesn't matter what life brings your way. Yes, it may be horrible for the moment. It may be difficult for the circumstantial situation in which you find yourself. But I can promise you there's a day coming when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. He sec- your inheritance is secure. No one can take it. No one can remove it. There are four aspects of this inheritance that Peter identifies First, he says that this inheritance is imperishable. Unlike the worldly inheritance, our heavenly one is not affected by the fickleness of this world in which we live. 
economic downturns and tragic circumstances have no effect on our secure inheritance. And we have it because of Christ and His resurrection. Secondly, we see it's an undefiled inheritance. Revelation 21-27 says, Nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it. Listen, it's filled with holiness. Listen, you may say, well, I'm not holy, I'm a sinful person. Well, listen, if you are saved through Christ, through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, then Jesus declares you righteous. Not because of what you do, but because of what he's done. You are declared righteous, justified before God. Listen, our inheritance will never be spoiled, corrupted, or polluted. It will remain But on this earth, everything will not. But instead, everything that is temporal will burn. Only those things that are eternal will stand. And I want you to know this morning, as a Christian, you have a secure inheritance. Can I ask you a question this morning? If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, what's your inheritance? It's fickle. But for those who are in Christ, there's no doubt. We know that our inheritance is secure. He also says not only is it imperishable or undefiled, it is unfading. If you are a young person, look at yourself, and you might think, uh, I find security in my beauty, right? Well, listen, there's a reality. Uh, age has an effect on that, doesn't it? Some of you say amen. <laughs> Some of you say ouch. <laughs> Clothing. Beauty, material things, they're fading. They are fading. Just paint something and watch it fade over the years. Put my seven kids in the van and watch it fade. (laughs) (laughs) Our inheritance, however, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I want you to know is unfading. It is unfading. One thing's for certain, we will receive an inheritance. Ultimately, it's up to us to determine what type of inheritance we will receive. An inheritance to death or an inheritance to life. Either way, it's unfading. It's eternal. It's imperishable, it's undefiled, it's unfading, and lastly, it's reserved. It's reserved, 2 Timothy 4.8, In the future there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but to also to all who have loved His appearing. This verse shows us that in His inheritance is set aside for us. John 14 says what? I go and prepare a place for you. For if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. You have a reserved inheritance because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's an effect. And this should encourage us to live as if we have a place prepared for us. Live in the knowledge of our inheritance. Regardless of the struggle or hardship, it is ultimately the Lord whom we serve. Not ourselves, And He is preparing a place for us. 
If your name is in the Lamb's book of life, you have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and reserved for you in heaven. All because of what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's an effect. It's an amazing effect. So not only does the resurrection bring about living hope, not only does resurrection bring about a secure inheritance, but lastly, I want you to see that resurrection brings about a protected salvation. The theological term is eternal security. Once saved, always saved. 1 Peter 5 says, We are who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Jesus will return. He's coming back again. I'm not sure when he's coming back, but everything on his prophetic calendar prepares him to come back at any moment. I don't know about you, but I need this reminder day in and day out. Because life sometimes is difficult. Circumstances, situations are difficult. The older I get, the bigger my kids get. And I'm reminded of the fleeting nature of life. The older I get, the more people step into eternity. I I knew I was in trouble as a young man growing up because not many people I knew went to be with the Lord. Until I hit 35, and then they started crashing. Life is real. Death is real. Eternity is real. Jesus will return. Uh, you, you, You may go there, he comes here, it really makes no difference. Just depends on which side of the line you're on. That's what makes the difference. And although I'm consistently seeking God's forgiveness for my shortcomings, His grace and mercy doesn't change. Isn't it great? How many people do you know in your life that fear they're not truly saved and they struggle with that on a regular basis because they fail to understand they have a what? A protected salvation. Are you aware that your salvation is protected as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ? Now, I'm not encouraging you to have a false hope. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ and you think you're working your way to heaven, that's not a protected salvation. That's a foolish thought. But if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, I want you to know and understand you have a protected salvation. And that we can rejoice. Why? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's not based on merits, but rather mercy. My kids love me, and they trust me, and they know that I'm there to protect them. But the protection that I offer them is what? Temporal. I can't even do that if I'm not there with them. So what can I do? And my protection for those whom I love, I want you to know, are limited. But the good news about God is God is not limited to time and space. He can be with you and me at the same time if we're in different areas. Isn't that great? Because God is sovereign. And because God is sovereign, because God is omnipresent, because God is omniscient, He knows all things and He's everywhere at once, He can offer you a protected salvation no matter your circumstance. 
The protection that God offers is eternal. An all-inclusive protection. And for that we can rejoice. Through salvation, not only are we kept safe from the snares of the devil, but we also get to enjoy fellowship with the creator of the universe. The effect is they protected salvation. It would be easy to just think that God is all-powerful and he can keep us safe. I think the verse implies that there is something more than just what meets the eyes. How does God protect us? Well, this verse makes it clear how God protects us. It's through faith. Hebrews 11.1 says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. We believe in Jesus Christ, even though we haven't seen him with our own eyes. We have the word of God, don't we? That has shown us, that has revealed to everything pertaining to life and to godliness. And for that, we can have confidence. That we have a protected salvation and inheritance waiting on us. But it's by faith that we're saved. In order to have a protected salvation, we must first place our faith in Jesus Christ alone. This is true for both the saints in the Old Testament and now. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Our faith is not based on our own abilities, our own intellect, but rather a dependence on a holy and righteous God who is stronger and greater than anything we can think or ever imagine. Do you not think he knows what's going on in your life? Do you not think he knows the struggles that you deal with on a daily basis? God knows every detail. If he knows how many hairs are on your head or the lack thereof, I got one of them bald spots right there too. He knows every detail about your life. And he cares desperately about you. And he's got a protected salvation for you. So when you go out this week and you fail, because I know we're church folks and we dress up real nice, and I know we come in with a, a good face and we, you know, right? You, you know what I'm saying. You're picking up what I'm putting down. But when you step out of the church building, you get into real life, and you're having a downer day, poor, pitiful me, right? And we start sinning, or we start grumbling, or we start complaining, or we start bickering and fighting, or we start doing A, B, or C. You name it, your struggle. I don't know. I want you to know you have a protected salvation. Repent. Ask God to forgive you. Your salvation is protected. Don't doubt the work of God. If it is by faith that we are saved, which is true for both them and the old, then we should be certain. He alone can protect your salvation. It's a surrender, a complete trust in God and His will, the ability to carry out the plan in His life. So we can trust that our salvation is protected by the Creator of the universe. Our salvation is protected because you and I have nothing to do with it. If we could save ourselves, Christ died in vain. I love all the other verses in Scripture that confirm this truth that we have a protected salvation. I'm reminded of John 10, 28. He says, I give. Who? I give eternal life to them. Not, did they earn it? Did they work for it? 
Did they, did they out, did good outweigh the, no, I give eternal life to them and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. That, my brothers and sisters, is a protected salvation that is a result of a resurrected Jesus that yes, it looked like Friday, we were the losers, but come Sunday, he is alive and for that we can celebrate. How about John six thirty nine? And this is the will of him who sent me that I shall lose none of those he has given me but raise them up on the last day. Your protected salvation will result in you being raised up on the last day. If you are trusting in something other than the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ for your salvation, I'm here to tell you, you will be profoundly disappointed when Jesus bursts through the clouds. The thief on the cross illustrates and underlines this idea. He couldn't save himself. He just hung there. He was completely and helplessly and totally unable to save himself. It was only God's mercy that the thief on the cross was brought into glory with Jesus. Listen, we have a protected salvation through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And these truths should give us a thankful heart as we approach the Easter celebration today. We should be grateful for the goodness of God and encouraged as we leave to share the hope of Jesus Christ because we've been blessed in so many different ways because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We should have the desire to love and to share Jesus with those around us. We have a living hope. We have a secure inheritance. We have a protected salvation because these were all effects of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I pray that you will be affected by the resurrection this year. Let's pray. We want to thank you for joining us on our program today. We pray that you were challenged, encouraged, and hope that you will stay connected with us for the weeks to come as Pastor Stewart walks us through the book of John. If you don't have a church home, Pastor Stewart would like to personally invite you to join their worship service at Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina. They meet each week at 11 a.m. For more information about the church, visit them at familybiblefellowship.org. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.